3: This crowd rises to its feet. Acaros slammed it home. Garland left wing, free ball, perfect. Garland one of the lane, lob. The Mowgli
1: pop, and Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Pow with the left hand and a
4: foul. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media Family. I'm your host Justin Rowan. The Chase Down is presented by FUBO TV. Watch over 100 channels of live sports and TV for half the cost of cable. There's no contract and no commitment. Try for free at fuboTV.com. No contract, no commitment, and no Carter Rodriguez on today's episode. He's away for work, but you know what? We we bring in the heat. We, we're we bringing in a special guest for today's podcast. But before I get to him, I guess we have to do a little bit of housekeeping. First, a little bit of Cavs news. Uh, Ricky Rubio is taking an indefinite leave uh, from his professional basketball career to focus on his mental health. Um, I'm blown away by how long Ricky's been in the league. Um, he, he's been playing, uh, obviously, in the NBA for a long time. He's been playing professionally since he was a teenager. Um, I think him stepping away to, to focus on his mental health is incredibly brave. And obviously, we'll find out more details uh, when the time comes. But uh, I'm wishing him all the best uh, in his recovery. And hopefully this time uh, gives him the clarity that he's looking for. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens uh what that means for the Cavs next season, um, but right now his mental health is by far the most important thing. Other little bit of housekeeping: no Carter means no 60 seconds of Sea Bears. He's not here to produce it, and unfortunately, that season is over. The Sea Bears lost at home versus Edmonton. No more 60 seconds of Sea Bears. My heart's a little bit broken. My voice is still a little bit sore as we're doing the housekeeping because at back-to-back Bomber and Sea Bears games. Winnipeg, for some reason, they went 1-3 and three versus Edmonton this year, a team that they were better than all season. They just seemed to struggle against them for some reason. And on a related note, Andrew Claudio is here from Knicks Film School to talk about the New York
5: Knicks. Andrew, how you doing, buddy? Something about you and I collaborating for podcasts and your teams being eliminated from playoff contention, Justin. I'm sorry that it keeps happening, but uh, I'm honored to be joining you on this fine summer afternoon, afternoon evening, we'll call it
4: we we got to stop meeting like this. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is absolutely unacceptable. Neither of our teams won a ring last year, but you yourself added a ring, my friend. Congratulations Uh, on getting married. Uh, We talked a little bit before we started recording, but I'm stoked for you. We also talked a little bit about how the word fiancé is just the worst way to introduce people. I hated that kind of lingering in between period i i just said girlfriend because fiance opens up too many questions so congratulations on being able to say wife that's that's a lot of fun
5: thank you my wife and i are both happy we don't have to say fiance anymore (laughs) and like again there's there's no uniqueness to saying fiance because we're both fiance it always like you said opens up the question the follow-up is like oh fiance how's wedding planning going like, it's yeah. awful stop asking everybody please stop <laughs> asking about no, I uh, thank you for the well wishes we are very happy and very excited and to bring this back to basketball um Donovan Mit, uh, not Donovan Mitchell Jalen Brunson got married this offseason so he, he also got himself a ring Isaiah Hartenstein on the Knicks uh, got uh, a ring with his wedding. So Jared just, Allen got engaged. Congratulations, g- Jared, to Allen Jared Allen! Allen. There gave you go. Someone a ring. So, congrats to Jared Allen. So the love is in the air, even if it doesn't translate to the NBA playoffs.
4: You know, absolutely. So mm-hmm. I skipped over. Uh, where you're from uh, just to get that punchline in but just in case people don't know Next Film School, part of the Blue Wire Network you guys do terrific work uh, you, you were a big help uh, as we were doing our preview podcast for the, the Knicks Cavs series which obviously didn't go the Cavs way um, it's probably fitting that Carter isn't here to go live we're, we're just kind of sweeping this one under the rug as we do the team previews but I'm excited to talk about this with you and I, I want to know how, how do you feel about the Knicks run in totality? Because obviously, that that win over the Cavs was a big big win. I, I think in my eyes, at least from an outsider, that seemed like uh, it made the entire postseason a win. But I'm a little bit curious, just because I didn't talk to you after the uh, the Heat loss, and just want to know uh, as time has passed, kind of how, how do you feel about how the Knicks season wrapped
5: up? Well, first of all, I, I got to ask a question that's Carter related. So mm-hmm. you said he's out he's out of town for work. When will he be back? He, he's out of the country, man. He's oh, he's out a of the country.
4: oh yeah. He's on the other side of the world.
5: So, so he won't be back in five because I, I heard he was a big fan of being done in five.
4: You know, I've I've heard that as well. It, it might actually be five days. Uh, you you might have uh, landed that perfectly. If not, you know what? He he deserves a little bit of slander. Let, let him have there it. There you
5: go. Love you, Carter. Um, so it's funny. There's multiple perspectives in how the Knicks playoff season playoff run went. Um. I lean more positive in how I was. We we talked about it during the preview pods how respectful I was of the Cavs and how great they were during the regular season. How I was cautiously picking Knicks in six, that I thought Knicks in seven, that like the only way I could see them winning was them getting it back to a game seven. Uh, Knicks in six, because I'm remembering they had home court. They'd have to win it right. at home in, in MSG in game six. And then the way the series went, it was like, oh my, oh my gosh, Mitchell Robinson's a monster. This this possession battle that they won, that they've been this this game that they've been playing all season, it's working. And Josh Hart is a force, and you know Jalen Brunson is once again um, having his way in a in an offense or I guess a defense that is schemed against him with uh with with Donovan Mitchell. Um, we could talk about the Isaac Okoro thing, which is one of my questions that I have, but yeah. I. I look at those those five games against the Cavs, specifically the four that they won, as an overall positive. Look, I, I it might sound weird to say this, but just being happy that you're there is a is a real thing that mm-hmm. that Knicks fans have to, at least I personally have. Um, and I look at the fact that. They hadn't made it to the second round since Carmelo Anthony. And when I say Carmelo Anthony, I mean 2013 Carmelo Anthony. (laughs) And for a Cavs fan that has seen LeBron in multiple trips to the finals and playoff series wins are may or may not be taken for granted. I personally chose not to take the Cavs series for granted that for half the playoffs, it was outstanding and it should be all gravy no matter what happened. You come into the Miami heat series where some lineup decisions were made, um, some poor performances from Julius Randle, as well as a missed game from Julius Randle. him getting hurt against the Cavs in game five, the falling on landing on Karis Levert's ankle, I think had a lingering effect and he still yeah. played through it. Um, there's been more, there's been more that's come out about Randall and his ankle that it prevented him from maybe being 100%, which as a result prevented him from giving 100%. Mm. Um, So I don't want to say that the Heat series is it doesn't sting that that I thought there's like a version of that series that the Knicks could have won. Having said that, I can't I, I personally cannot look at the way the playoffs went for the Knicks, especially where I was when the season started and say that they didn't exceed my expectations and get to a point where I'm just grateful that they made it to the second round. But now that you've had a little bit of success, you have to to move forward. So that's where that's where I went into this offseason and where I'm probably going into next season as well.
4: Yeah, I feel like in a lot of ways, the Knicks basically stole the postseason that we expected for the Cavs. Mm. Like we we thought, you know, you would go out, you'd win the first round. And then the second round would be that series where maybe the inexperience, um, not being ready for the physicality of the playoffs, that sort of stuff. That's where it would really kind of come through. And that's where a lot of the weaknesses would be exposed with this roster. And we'd have to kind of reevaluate. Um, But obviously that came around early. Um, I I think obviously the Knicks deserve a lot of credit. Um, I know in our post-series pod, we were giving them credit for just, you know, playing like the better team throughout. Um, They had an identity and a plan of attack and didn't deviate from that. And, I I still feel like even though they didn't the cast didn't get as far as we expected, we're still I still ramp up the expectations the same way that I would if they made the second round and came up short. If the shortcomings came in that round, I think what the loss to the Knicks showed is that the floors may be a little bit lower than we expected. That there might be more of a growing uh, learning curve for Evan Mobley and the young guys on this roster than we would have anticipated because the drop off in their play was just so staggering from even where they were at in, in the regular season and Mobley in particular. Um, but I, I really do think that you still have to keep those expectations high. You still have to really hold yourself to that kind of championship standard because that's why you went out and you made that move for Donovan Mitchell, not, not to win last year. And I don't think even to win this year, but to show that you are on that path. and And that's, going to be their best path to you know, um, convincing Donovan Mitchell to sign an extension when that day comes um, is by showing them that, hey, this is your best chance to to win a championship or we are on a valid championship path. And I'm really happy with how the Cavs offseason has gone as well. I, I think they've taken a lot of the right lessons from that postseason. But uh, before we get into that, I'm curious how you feel about the Knicks offseason because um, I personally love... The addition on Dante DiVincenzo for the Knicks I thought that was a really really savvy mood um I think the Knicks are still uh which is one of the things we talked about before the series I think the Knicks are really well primed for both sustainable success and to make a consolidation trade at some point in the near future but uh, the one part of the offseason I was a little surprised about was you know letting Obi Toppin go basically a, as kind of a salary dump uh, how do you feel overall, and and what's kind of the mood for Knicks fans uh, of how they've approached the offseason at this point?
5: Oh, the mood, uh, the vibes, as as many would call it. Um, let's start with Obi because there is a portion of the Knicks fan base, um, I may be part of it, that thinks that he was not not necessarily treated unfairly, but just got a raw deal from the time he got drafted. Part of it was kind of out of his control in the sense that he was brought here to replace Julius Randall, be on the team, be his backup until Julius Randall got traded and Julius Randall turned into an all-NBA all NBA player and right. the Knicks had to ride that success. Um, I don't blame them for choosing to ride the Julius Randall train. Will the postseason be damned. Um, I, I understand why the Knicks chose Randall over Obi, especially when the, just the fit with the head coach, you would also then have to choose Obi over the head coach. And mm. I hadn't seen enough from OB to um, warrant the, like throw out the, the, the entire philosophy that Jalen Brunson seems to thrive with Josh Hart seems to thrive with all these other players seem to thrive with to make it work with this player like Obi Toppin that thrives in transition and, you know, a, a faster paced offense. So I think it's perfect for Indiana. Um, I hinted at this one time when I was with you that the CAA influence is strong with the Knicks. <laughs> um, Obi Toppin's agent, Sam Rose, is Leon Rose's son. And I think they did him a favor and said, listen, you're you got one year left before you hit restricted free agency or a qualifying offer. Uh, go to Indiana. You'll get minutes there. Um, they found a good landing spot for him. You could be in transition with Tyrese Halliburton and Halliburton spoke glowingly at team USA. Apparently that he's looking forward to seeing what Obi Toppin topping is. I'm not a believer that the Knicks traded an all-star, which there is a, a portion oh, yeah, of that, that's strong, right? Like Sorry there's a portion of off, the Knicks world strong. that thinks, Oh no, it's please. I'm glad yeah. someone else sees it that I do think they've traded like a quality rotation piece. I do think there is more that he can offer than, what was warranted in the Tibbs system. However, I'm not, I'm not a hater of the Tibbs system completely. And I think that's where to transition into DiVincenzo. What they were asking of Obi Toppin, Dante DiVincenzo will do perfectly. You know, you shift Josh Hart to the backup four minutes, which if Julius Randle is healthy, is like 12 to 13 minutes a game, maybe maybe less than that. If, if mm-hmm. Randle wants to play 30, 30, 30, 39, 40 minutes a certain night. Um, And then DiVincenzo is just he spaces the floor perfectly, which is that's what they were using OBS, a corner to corner floor spacer. Um, You look at some of his numbers and where he was was a a consistent three point shooter from He's lights out in the bottom right corner, which it's funny. The Knicks had the league leader in three point percentage from the opposite corner and Quentin Grimes. And then they have. DiVincenzo on the other side, which I think that could actually be a deadly weapon if you have the, the best possible three point shooter from both corners on your team. So I, I think it's a win for the Knicks, what they did in upgrading as far as that specific skill set of a shooter. And, and I think Obi Toppin's going to flourish in Indiana. I think this actually is a win win for both sides. Um, it stinks that it didn't work out here. I empathize with any Knicks fan that's sad that got invested in in Obi Toppin and some of his highlight reel plays. But I do think in the long run, the Knicks got better as a result of those specific two moves, you know. Across America,
0: BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
3: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
1: Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living assisted living and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort style amenities and high quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com equal housing opportunity.
4: Yeah, I always felt like the Knicks were kind of misusing Obi like they miscast him as just kind of a spot up shooter instead of someone that can get downhill. Right. And I think that I agree with you. I think the fit with Indiana is fantastic. Um, I It just, it surprised me a little bit, but, I, you know, sometimes you do those type of moves, right? Where, where there's a bit of a roster crunch, you do a favor, you you expect it to pay dividends down the road. Uh, as you said, it opens up opportunities. The one point, I don't know if pushback's even the right word, but the, the one thing I want to get clarification on is, as much as I love the addition of Dante DiVincenzo, I don't know if... You can just say, okay, well, Josh Hardy is going to take Obi's minutes. I, I think you can certainly do that, but it does feel like there's a little bit of a crunch when it comes to the guard minutes overall, and I'm I'm interested to see how you shake out. Did a little bit of research here. Uh, so obviously you have 96 minutes between the two guard positions. Last year, Brunson played 100% of his minutes there, 35 minutes per game. Uh, Manuel quickly, uh, which I think part of their second-half run was giving him more minutes uh, because he played so well down the stretch. Obviously, adding Josh Hart helped a lot. um, But he played uh, 92 minutes per game. Um, 99% of those minutes came at the guard position, 32 uh, post-All-Star break. Grimes played about 65% of his minutes at at shooting guard, which was 20 minutes. That leaves about 12 guard minutes. Assuming that Quickly's playing his pre-All-Star break, 29 minutes per game, and Grimes is kind of staying there. And that doesn't even factor in the 10 per game that RJ played there. How do you kind of foresee that shaking out? Do you think Grimes might shift a little bit more to the small forward position? E- even if he does that, I-, I feel like that puts a little bit of crunch on RJ. Like, wh- where where do you see kind of that minute battle shaking out? And what does this mean for Emmanuel Quickly in particular?
5: Well, so the Quickly thing is its own separate conversation, which I'll, I'll get to in a second. But I actually thought they were finding something in the second half of the season at specifically post Josh Hart trade that like Josh Hart or RJ can be your backup for. Like there was a couple times when, when, when Randall got hurt and they went to lineups down the stretch with um, RJ at the four or Josh Hart at the four, but both of them were on the court together as your three and four. Then you went either quickly or Grimes at the two, most likely be quickly and then you go to brunson at the one there's actually a game against miami that clinched at least the five seed really for the knicks um, at home it's the game that randall got hurt and they not only didn't have randall on the court down the stretch they didn't go back to jalen brunson down the stretch they just went with those those four quote unquote smaller players and it's this smaller lineup in a center that i i think the knicks actually found something there, and I think that was actually the game. Before, that's actually the game that I came back to, like first came <laughs> on with you. And I was like, I think they actually found something uh, right. with this small, with Josh Hart at the four or RJ at the four. Um, I don't look at to the minute distribution that you're talking about as much of a crunch because I think that, I think again that I'm I want to put in bold letters think that they also believe RJ can play your backup four minutes. Josh Hart could play your back. Like, who's the backup for that you're afraid of? That is like, yeah. oh, no. Like, like they had Obi Toppin playing it and never really had him like. But how many like, backup uh, four minutes
4: are available? If we're assuming Julius Randle's playing 35, like that leaves me. 13
5: f- minutes. So if it's six and a half or six or seven and a half, yeah. you know, and he, you just have RJ play five RJ of and them. Josh Hart. You have Hart play five. Of- like, if Randle's going to continue to play the entire first quarter and the entire third quarter, third quarter you're talking the first five to six minutes of each second and fourth quarter yeah you know like that's the thing about the ob trade that it's like it opens up 12 minutes which then leads to Emmanuel quickly because I don't think Dante DiVincenzo came here to play 12 minutes so quickly is extension eligible and I personally think quickly is a Swiss army knife that should be extended and kept at all costs. I think as a starter, if he, like you saw like you mentioned what he did with when he got more minutes, I've seen what he looks like when he's a primary ball handler. I think he's an elite offensive player that could do multiple things. Um, Do you still think he's better than Garland? No, than I never said better than Garland. I said better than, I said better than Allen and the uh, Uh, conversation, the conversation for didn't bear out my way, but I did. Fair, fair. The conversation was, I think he's the fifth best player in the series, which then led to Mobley or uh, quickly, which I will concede as far as that series is concerned. It was Evan Mobley. Yeah. I think it was Josh Hart after that. Well, Josh Hart then. (laughs) So that's the funny part is that I think to give you an inside look at how Knicks fans are feeling Josh Hart, it's impossible to say like he's bad, but because he's not like your primary ball handler or someone that impacts a game, in the same way that Quickly does as mm-hmm. like he'll he'll like lead your offense or 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 be the person that's responsible for good things happening but he's a complementary piece and then going to be the the primary uh, ball uh, defender on the other end their impact actually works out to be the same when you look at all those metrics. Yeah. So it's like this push and pull of like I think Emmanuel Quickly's awesome and with more responsibility and more usage could be even better but like Tibbs loves Josh Hart and all the things Josh Hart can do. Mm-hmm. So but you, I'm worried... you feel
4: like Tibbs is comfortable playing smaller next year. Because oh, yeah. that seems to, to be the the conclusion here, right? Like I I think there's going to be a bit of a crunch, you know, when when it comes to like you said, the, there's the 13 backup power forward minutes, but then, you know, you still have the, the 48 small forward minutes. So if Grimes is shifting more to the three because Dante DiVincenzo is eating up some of those shooting guard minutes, that leaves grimes rj barrett and josh hart competing for minutes to some extent right
5: if to an extent the, the quickly part of it is where i'm i'm a little worried so
4: you think he, he might be the one that shortchanged in this just because like is that kind of nick's forecasting it's going to be tough for us to give this extension or we're not all the way comfortable with it so therefore playing time might be affected as, as a result of that like it. Uh, is that a fair characterization of the situation?
5: Because Quickly's extension eligible. And from what I've heard, now we have heard all of our beat guys say that the report actually that they think it'll get done before the season starts. Okay. But if he's extension eligible and like he's having to compete with the backup two minutes as well as the backup one minutes, um, and you've got Emmanuel Quickly playing 17, 18 minutes a game, and he's like, I got a new contract. I don't want that to mess up chemistry. Mm -hmm. um that's where i'm worried that and worried might not even be the the right word but just like concerned that he's he's potentially a a trade piece that happens when this becomes a buyer's market again so um right look right now he's the backup point guard right now he's also jalen brunson insurance i think jalen brunson's elite i think there's a gap between the two offensively but I don't think there's as much of a gap or a drop off when you go from Brunson to quickly overall impact. Like you don't, you don't have an elite point guard anymore. You just have a really good point guard. If yeah. Emmanuel quickly starts for him. Um, so I, I, I go to that with that opinion in keeping Emmanuel quickly around, at least for one more season. Um, yeah. And, 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 and depth is important. Right? The...
4: Yeah. Like Knicks were one of the healthiest teams last season. Right. Obviously every team plays through injuries, but it's nice to have that level of insurance right that okay we we do have options and it's not all going to overtax guys right because even though the Knicks didn't have a lot of injured games necessarily you still had guys that were dealing with nagging injuries and I think there were still stretches where a lot was put on guys right like when Randall is out you do have to play a, a lot smaller as a result of that so I, I think having that kind of depth is obviously helpful
5: well, to your point about the, the health of the team, like Jalen Brunson, it was a nagging, it was a game here, a game there, two games. But that's where Emmanuel quickly became such a tool that like Brunson's out tonight, but like this high impact player can step in. That's the only place where the OB trade can scare you. And if like, you remember the conversation we had when I first showed up last year about Julius Randle, like this is an Iron Man. The guy had not missed a game until he hurt his ankle against the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. And like that was his case for all NBA, that he's putting up this production and is on his way to 82 games this season. Now, we'll see what this ankle looks like. We'll see if the... like Can they survive if he does have another injury coming off this, this ankle that got hurt twice and then required surgery <laughs> to clean it up? Um, can they survive if he... Like busts it again and is out for two weeks with starter R.J. at the four, starter Josh Hart at the four. You know, so that's the only place I go to and say, can they survive that? If he's back to being an Iron Man, then I think they'll be a really good regular season team. That's 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 where I'm at. And like I think there will be nights where Grimes will close with with the starting unit. Um, well Grimes will be the starting two. Nights that quickly will be the starting two. There'll be nights that DiVincenzo is the starting two um, in 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 close in closing minutes um, that I think can can be a good formula. Uh, the biggest thing is just I thought they needed shooting and they upgraded that shooting spot for that OB spot with a better three point shooter. So I'm OK with it.
4: You, you feel like uh, Dante is an upgrade when it comes to three point shooting um, from OB? over OB. Yes. Over okay. OB. Yes.
5: OK, interesting, specifically for what the Knicks were asking Obi to do, what they'll then ask Divincenzo to do. There's also the Villanova of it all, which I have no idea how to feel if it's a good thing or a bad thing that the Knicks are just putting together those Villanova teams that hey, won those titles. You, you know what? I,
4: I think chemistry and, and those type of connections, that, that definitely pays dividends. I, I know for the Cavs, uh, there is the Team USA connection, right? Like Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, Allen, all these guys, even Okoro. Um, you, you have some of those connections, right? And obviously, Kobe Altman has been involved with Team USA basketball in the past. And yeah, I was just curious about because obviously, we were looking at okay, who are the shooters available in free agency? Because shooting is one of the biggest needs for the Cavs. I've unfortunately over the last week I've been rewatching a lot of clips and and segments and quarters from that Knicks series and and even some of the regular season ones as well. Well, and you could just tell, right? Like you you need to have that that shooting context around these guys. And Dante was a guy we talked about because there wasn't shooting at the small forward position available in free agency, especially for, you know, the mid-level exception or what the Cavs had to offer. Um, so Dante DiVincenzo was a guy that we looked at, but just didn't feel great about his volume, right? That, that the the shooting volume wasn't really there. And uh, Max Struess was very clearly at the top of our list um he was at top of our list i think even before we got to the free agency portion uh when before before the playoffs had, had come uh that, that was kind of the guy that we had circled so Uh, We're elated to get him. And fortunately, Max Struess was a guy that went the hell off against the Knicks. That was his best series uh, last year, averaging nearly 15 points per game.
5: Well, I remember. Believe me, I remember. Guy was an inconsistent (laughs) shooter most of the season. And then he and Caleb Martin decided that this was the series that they were going to remember how good they were the year earlier. Uh, (laughs) And it it was so frustrating. Apologies to the Celtics fans out there. We got them going over in New York, Um, which is funny. You look at all their their rating stats like their offensive rating was the lowest outside of the, yeah. the, the the nugget series but like the lowest of the east series um the heat struggled the most against the knicks mm-hmm. and it's why like it it's why a lot of knicks fans go to like the one or two margins whether it's a tibbs margin whether it's a julius randall margin whether it's a Manuel quickly margin that they're like man we could have won this series and i'm like uh, the, the Knicks actually did their part to limit a team that was surging and refining itself to, to make a run to the finals. Um, they we were their toughest fight until they yeah. ran into one of the best players ever in the finals. You know, what
4: What do you think uh, it was about the Knicks defense that gave the Cavs so many troubles? Because even looking at the regular season, like game one uh, that the Cavs and Knicks played in, in the regular season, Garland wasn't playing that game. That was one where, Uh, Mitchell, Kevin Love, all these guys kind of went off from three and the Cavs won. But looking at offensive rating versus the Knicks last season, the Cavs were fourth lowest. Mm -hmm. And obviously in the playoffs, that was the biggest thing. Like, people will talk about, oh, you know, defense on on Jalen Brunson, rebounding. Obviously, the rebounding was frustrating. But even when you look at that series, the Knicks put up an offensive rating of 107.3. Yeah. That would be the best D rating in the league. And so league, yeah. uh, like people will talk about the Cavs and they're like, oh, where's that regular season defensive rating? Well, it was actually better than their defensive rating. And the worst offensive rating in the league last season was 108.4, which was the Charlotte Hornets. If the Cavs just did that, that would have been sufficient, right? Y- you even look at like the Jalen Brunson stats, right? Like mm-hmm. because they lost that series against the heat, Everybody feels like, okay, well, you know, um, Brunson was dominant against the Cavs, didn't really get it going against the Heat. Brunson is 24 points per game against the Cavs, and his efficiency was terrible. Like Mm -hmm. He had a true shooting percentage of 53.2. Darius Garland had a true shooting percentage of 58.7. And that's despite going, like, 0 for 30 in, in that one game at Madison Square Garden, right? Like, it, it versus, you know, Jalen Brunson against the Heat was very efficient. 31 points per game, uh, shot well from the floor, uh, and, and was, you know, the, the elite version of Jalen Brunson that, that we're accustomed to seeing. What is it about the Knicks defense in your eyes that gave the Cavs so much trouble?
5: So the Cavs, how—not how, how not the Heat, specifically. You want to know what yeah, I saw? Yeah, well, yeah okay. I, I, I don't— you know, Miami, they, know. they
4: do their own thing, their little culture or whatever. Yeah. That's, uh-huh. that's fine. They, yes.
5: Yes. Yeah. Steroids, we'll call it. Um, I, I'm
4: self involved. I, I want to know what you think is specifically about this matchup that, that gave the cast so
5: much trouble offensively. So uh, there's two things that I thought stood out that have come that, that, have, that ha- one happened during the series that I noticed, and then mm-hmm. one is really more words from Donovan Mitchell since then. And The See, this is where I give you credit or your team credit that I thought after game two, we were headed toward Carter's prediction. Like I Mm. joke around at the beginning, but I had a ton of respect for what the Cavs were during the regular season overall. And I I was like, okay, like this will be a tall task because the offensive rating the Knicks had during the series didn't surprise me. I thought if they were going to like I knew the shooting problems that existed during the season, I knew they were going to have to win the possession battle. And while they won it in game one, I, I thought the, the drop coverage and the rim protection that Tibbs believes in was starting to hurt them in game two. Mm-hmm. So then you go to games three and four, and I thought they did a, a good job of specifically winning that possession battle that the Cavs only get one shot. It's got to be a jump shot because they've taken away everything at the rim. And you add in what Donovan Mitchell said about Madison Square Garden, I thought playing a playoff game in the garden might've shook some of the younger Cavs players that hadn't been in a situation like that before. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not someone that like, I, I believe in the, in the New York bravado of like the garden and it's awesome. And <laughs> you come in, it's the world's most famous arena, the Mecca. Like I, I, I talked that up, but I'm also just quoting what every single athlete says about that building, that it is just a different experience coming in there to try and win a game, yeah. which is why it took a battle tested team like the Heat with all of these veterans, Kyle Lowry, Kevin Love, like Jimmy Butler, all these guys that have been in, in huge games to come in game one and to steal one and steal home court advantage from the Knicks. Um I thought game three was the tell what was the wow, they're shook game for the Cavs and then game four. And this is, I think you'll like the details here because I'm wondering if this is something Cavs fans have said, I thought the Cavs got back into the game in the second half and then Evan Mobley got in foul trouble. And that just opened up the rim for the next that opened up RJ Barrett for trips to the rim in the second half. Um, I thought Tibbs going to the lineup that he did in the fourth quarter was important. Um, Julius Randle didn't play the entire fourth quarter shout out Obi Toppin for the most important quarter you played in a uniform. And then by game five, Mitchell Robinson was just having his way that um, anything that your centers wanted to do, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley on offense, they were exerting so much energy on defense just to get a rebound that it was like, this is, this is pointless. Like they, they, they've officially out muscled them, which I think that has that where that wears on you, especially when you're not shooting it well and you don't have a, another gear to go to. So mm-hmm. it's weird. So, me basically saying their offensive philosophy of winning the possession battle almost wore them down that when the Cavs tried to run their offense, they weren't able to. Yeah. And this is where I actually want to turn it on, on get, to get your, your opinion on this. So, all the things I just said that I do think the Knicks did well in that series if Donovan Mitchell is elite from games three on none of that matters because Donovan Mitchell would have been able to all the things that the Knicks took away from everybody else. They weren't able to stop Donovan Mitchell, but he also didn't play that all that well from games three, four and five. So is that like, is that also a sentiment that Cavs fans feel that yeah, the Knicks like took, took that series. They won that series, but also like we get more from Donovan and we win that series. Like we're, it's not, Cav, it's not Nixon five, you know. Yeah,
4: I want to be careful here not to generalize because I'm so in the weeds, right? Like I, I'm sitting here, I'm talking Cavs every single day in, in our chase down Discord. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. on Twitter, right? Like I, I don't want to generalize the entire fan base based on my personal experience, but if we're talking about kind of the way that we see it, I feel like. Cavs fans in general have done the thing that all sports fans do. When you come to a, a series loss, you pin it on whoever you feel to be the most replaceable. And, and in sports, I think often they'll come down to coaching mm-hmm. um, because, you know, it, it's easier to change up the, the, the coach than, than it is to admit, hey, the players that we're really invested in that we think are going to be part of the future had some shortcomings in this specific series that they need to address. I think it, uh, it's also been put on Jared Allen, uh, unfairly, because, you know, he had the, the lights were too bright quote, which, to, to your point, Donovan Mitchell has essentially said the same thing. Darius mm-hmm. Garland has essentially said the same thing. Jared Allen, you know, being self-assured enough to kind of admit, yeah, you know what? It, it shook us. So the last time I i was in the playoffs was in the bubble and we were playing in front of uh Zoom cameras with people <laughs> that look like me just sitting there watching, right? Like that's a totally different environment. Or the the weird COVID season, right? Where where there was limited capacity. It's different than, you know, a season where you have real expectations. You're in an amazing atmosphere in Madison Square Garden. You gotta give you guys credit for that. Um they, they were definitely a little bit rattled from that. So I, I haven't seen a lot of, of kind of criticism for Donovan Mitchell, but it has been something that we don't shy away from on the pod, right? Like I think it's fair to say if he played even up to kind of a regular season standard for himself, that could have changed things. If Evan Mobley would have played up to a regular season standard offensively, I think that really would have changed things because we talked all season about how he's going to need to be that front court playmaker Uh, in in order for the Cavs to counter what playoff defenses are going to do to the guards. And and I I think you're right that they got worn down and the actions were just slower. Um, Knicks, obviously, were were not respecting the the Cavs shooters, no matter who is out there. And were really focused on taking away Mobley, taking away Garland, and taking away Mitchell. And I I think a lot of the quotes that you you hear this offseason is, we needed to get in better shape. We needed to get stronger. We needed to be ready to take that kind of a beating. Obviously, they needed to add shooting, which is something that I think they've done a good job of doing.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
3: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80
1: coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview-Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview-Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events, chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.
5: You like the... So I'm not even specifically just talking about the streus. Yeah. Uh, acquisition, but like the George Niang acquisition, he was a guy I was thinking of because I didn't, I didn't buy that Tom Thibodeau was going to be okay with going small. And yeah, we're far far enough into the off season that I almost have to accept that that's the direction they're going with their backup for. Mm-hmm. But George Niang was the type of player, especially with what he shot from three last year, that I was hoping the Knicks would consider. And yeah. then when I saw the Cavs got him, remembering how that series went, and it's like, oh, that's actually. I, I, if, like, I, I hate doing this where you go back to the most recent series that the yeah. team played and it's like they only have to improve on what went wrong in that series and it's like no because you don't know what the Knicks will be like next year you don't know who you're going to face in the upcoming postseason the year from now you know you want to just get better overall and hope the margins land in your in your favor I like the shooting acquisitions that the, the Cavs made and obviously like I don't know how much stock you put in the summer league but Amoni Bates looked okay in, in I, I don't think
4: I think he's playing with the charge. I, I think okay, he's playing at okay. least one season league. with the charge. I don't. I don't think. I think the only one from the summer league team that might get some burn is Isaiah Mobley, just a, as a backup big. Um, obviously adding Damian Jones. Um, I I think he's going to be kind of that third center with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley sharing the primary center responsibilities.
5: Random question: Isaiah Mobley, any relation to Evan?
4: Yeah, he, he's his. Uh, he's is his it brother. really?
5: Yeah. Okay. The Nick. Kn- the Knicks did that too. They. Signed Jacob Toppin to be yeah. the uh, to be out like on, on a I don't know if he's officially there two way, but yeah. that's why the Knicks had have the chance to do the funniest thing ever and either actually play Obi's little brother as the backup four or <laughs> have him come on the team show flashes of a human highlight reel and also not play him the way they did it to it. That whole family will hate the New York Knicks going forward, <laughs> which is funny because they're right here over I think either Brooklyn or the Bronx. Yeah. So.
4: Yeah, yeah. Isaiah was was uh, the Cavs draft second round draft pick uh, last year, um, mm-hmm. and played awesome in the charge. I really like what he can do. Um, I I know uh, some of the draft uh, Twitter people that we talked to, uh, Sam Vecini, um, um I, I'm drawing planes right now, but like they liked him and, and kind of had that high second round uh, grade. Um, and I, I still think that he's someone that could be a backup big in the future, but. Obviously, you're going to go uh, mostly Allen and Mobley a- at the at the five. Um, but I I obviously, I really like the George Nyang sign. Carter was really, really enamored with them, uh, more so than myself. Um, my personal kind of offseason hopes was Max Drew's, uh option number one, Kelly Oubre number two, because I thought mm. volume shooting mattered so much, even though the percentage wasn't great, that he would have that gravity and you needed someone that was actually going to be defended out there. Whereas Carter was like, if we mix out on Struce, split the MLE, let's go get George Nang um, and, and someone else. And, and then we, we can figure it out from there. And even Ty Jerome, you know, Ty Jerome is a six, five guard that you can play with either Garland and Mitchell. He can shoot. Well, he can handle some pick and roll. Max Struis gives you some secondary playmaking too. So um, I, I'm really happy with the additions that the Cavs made. And it it, it is fun to hear that. Hey, George Nang was someone that I really liked and, and would have liked on the Knicks. And, uh, we've seen reports as well that Max Strus w- was among the Knicks' uh, kind of top targets a- as well in the free agency. So anytime you can do that w- with the team you're competing against, feels feels a little fun.
5: Well, that's the the thing that also gives me encouragement that the Knicks recognized everybody's strategy against them in the playoffs. Where while the Cavs weren't able to take away the uh, possession battle and the rebounding that both Mitchell and Hart and honestly a hobbled Julius Randle. Was yeah. was able to to um, take advantage of it in the series against the Cavs. Um, the Heat, it was like two. It was two things. They saw the Knicks crashing the boards, so anytime Kevin Love got the rebound, he just looked for Jimmy Butler uh, outlet, and they were able to turn it into two points easily. Like that first first game one, it was like four different possessions that Kevin Love gets the rebound, just looks down court, and it's a wide open touchdown to, yeah. to Jimmy Butler, whomever's leaking out. I, and then, I gotta admit,
4: them how disrespectful they were to Josh Hart at the three point mm-hmm. line yeah. killed me because they left him so wide open. And I can't help but think back to that step back in game one because obviously the Cavs got in their own head. Josh Hart doesn't hit that shot. Maybe they go up two O and oh, yeah. you know, this the series, the complexion of that is totally different because I like i i I think if you play that series out a hundred times it goes longer than five games the majority of them even though the the cow shortcomings i think were really real and i i'm happy that both in their internal approach in terms of guys really you know taking it to heart working on on adding muscle and and that sort of thing i'm glad that they're taking it serious and i'm glad that the front office took it seriously but i still think that like there are Outcomes of that series. If you played it over again, that it could have gone a whole lot longer.
5: As do I, and that's why it's funny. I I, I guess we could start to not wrap up here because I love talking to you. I just don't know how long you want to. go oh, on no, we're spot. we're going long. We're we're we're. Oh, even better. Baby. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. here. I'm here. Good. Um, I I hear a lot of Knicks fans because it's funny you brought up you 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 point the blame at people who are mostly replaceable. Yeah, a lot of Knicks fans point into Tibbs after the Miami series and said like, cause they had this starting lineup that worked for like about 30 games and led to a first round playoff series that had Quentin Grimes at the starting two and then Josh Hart playing with the bench. And then they went to this quote unquote death lineup in the, the third and fourth, the late second. And then to close the game with Josh Hart at the three and Emmanuel quickly at the two. Yep. Um, Quentin Grimes gets hurt in the Cavs series Josh Hart starts the last two games and Knicks obviously win them and it d- takes until game four for tips to go back to that starting lineup. Knicks fall down to one and there's a belief amongst the Knicks fan base. That's like, man, if you had just stuck with the Quentin Grimes cause Grimes was healthy for game one against the Cavs against yeah. the, against the heat. Um, if you had just gone back to the starting lineup that worked, maybe we're up to one in that series, maybe the, the bench doesn't look as bad as it did maybe mayo quickly doesn't get hurt because he's playing a different role next to guys like next to quentin grimes who would have looked better if he was playing in the lineup and with the guys he had been with all season and i i know there was a hint of that sentiment from the Cavs or Cavs fans i was going to say the, guys, it, the Isaac Okoro lineup that a lot of you guys wanted to go back to you know?
4: It is horrifically similar. Um, everything from hey, we have this starting lineup that worked. Why did we go away from it? A, a quote unquote death lineup, and and like the Karis Levert starting five, or, or the the core four with Karis Levert, that yeah, was their yeah. best lineup throughout the year. And going into Game Five, that lineup had been in that positive as well. But I agree. Like I I think there were times in the series. Like I I think the blame. What I love about that series. And it's not many things, but if it's going to go wrong, I like that there were so many points of failure that, you know, it wasn't, oh, Donovan Mitchell is going 2018 LeBron, where he's just carrying this team. He's playing at such a high level and he's being let down. He's being let down by, you know, uh, all his teammates. Uh, you could make an argument like organization to put them, the guys together. Although One guy's pe- forgetting the score. Although yeah. People yeah. really, really forget just how injured that 2018 supporting cast was, but that yeah. would, that would be another hour-long episode okay. for me to go down but i i think you know getting away from the identity like the Cavs should have been the ones setting the tone in that series and they didn't do that right like they they changed i thought they got a little too out of their defensive philosophy even uh for someone like jalen brunson which he's scoring well individually but like when even when darius garland went on him he was scoring well individually but i didn't think that was worth jeopardizing your rebounding position by ha- having jared allen Come that far beyond the three-point line to to, you know blitz the ball handler in that way took him completely out of rebounding position i think it it gassed him and it reminded me of tristan thompson in the finals in 2017 where he was out rebounded by steph curry primarily because he was so far away from the basket Mm -hmm. whereas in games one and two jared allen first game 14 and 14 um game two had big impact i think he had like three steals three blocks um w- was really out there, and I thought they got a little too. They almost showed too much reverence for Jalen Brunson, where they should have been. Let's stick with our kind of core defensive philosophy here. Um, let's, assuming Isaac Okoro w- was healthy enough to go, which we we still don't have real details there, um, playing him more. But I, I like the minutes that he got, and, and it's it's kind of funny looking at it that the only person with a positive net rating in that series was Isaac Okoro.
5: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. You're talking about too much reverence for Jalen Brunson, because that was the, the outcry that there's too much reverence for Jimmy Butler, that Jimmy Butler went off against Milwaukee and Tibbs was like the one person that's not beating us in the series is Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler had his, his yeah. five lowest uh, shooting games that up until game four against the uh, against the Celtics when they started their comeback, but for a while it was like he went off against the Cavs. Then the Knicks doubled him for six games. Then he went off against the Celtics, and uh, like his his strategy largely largely worked. He was like, if anyone's gonna beat me, Max Drews and Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin are gonna do so. And guess what happened? Max Drews, and Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent largely yeah. beat the Knicks in that series. Um, But as far as the Cavs are concerned, it's why I, I was curious to see. Um, I guess how you feel like, is there, is the, is that crit- criticism warranted? Cause I feel some of that with, with like, I do think they should have went back to the Quentin Grimes starting five. So that yep. way everything's back in its place. I can't say it's why they lost the series. I think yeah, that, that's, like, a lot that's of how things I went feel. wrong. Yeah. I, so I, it's a, it's a, it's a criticism of Tibbs, but I, I also think his defensive philosophy gave the heat a lot of problems for six games. Yep. And the heat also had some guys step up that, you know, that 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 hadn't throughout the season and decided to step up in the playoffs. Also, just that as far as coaches are concerned, what Spo was willing to do, like playing Duncan Robinson the minutes that he did, <laughs> and basically was like, if the Knicks shoot well, they'll beat us. But we're gonna trust Duncan Robinson to play well and to yeah. shoot well. And on nights he has it going, we'll feature him and we'll just play his own. And if the Knicks if the Knicks are going to beat us, then then they'll beat us with their three-point shooting. And the two games the Knicks won or the two games that they shot well from three. And the four games that they lost, they didn't shoot well from three. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, think a they, very
4: similar they, they thing would that. have happened if, if the Cavs did advance and play the Heat, right? Like, I think there would yeah. be that same approach. And I, I feel better about the Cavs, possi- uh, how they would match up against that kind of philosophy, given the shooting that they've added.
5: So that was actually gonna be my my big question for you because okay. knowing how you felt about the Akoro, the core four plus Akoro lineup, and as well as what the what the, the the lineup data said about that that lineup during the season, now you add Streus into the mix, now you add Niang to the mix. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Levert obviously like played important minutes during the playoffs. So what's the what's the closing lineup now? Do you go back to does Acoro still have priority or do you have other options that you hope to feature throughout the season?
4: I think it's going to be matchup dependent. Um, I, I think especially, you know, now that there, there's an unknown with Ricky Rubio, but e- even if he was, you know, with the team healthy and um, willing to play, I think you're probably having a lot of the guard minutes with Garland Mitchell. I think Lavert uh, can handle a lot of that ball handling responsibility as well. Um, some nights maybe you do close with one big right and and you have we we, if you're trailing you might want george niang playing at the four right like i think he's going to play a lot of kind of that backup uh power forward minutes and really help the spacing there um maybe sometimes you do want to have isaac okoro out there i'm i'm interested to see i'm assuming that he's going to come in off the bench Uh, i think that's actually going to be really beneficial for him um because there's going to be more space around him um, I, I think it's going to highlight some of his feel for the game. And I'm interested to see how his game grows overall. But you could still close with him. The interesting thing for me is going to be how their defensive philosophy changes if Max Drews is starting. Because if Isaac Coral was your primary defender uh, or the defending the primary ball handler in all these situations, you're probably not going to do that with Max Drews. You're probably going to have to trust Garland and Mitchell to guard their men straight up Maybe you, you have Strews, um slide over to shooting Garnet and you hide Mitchell a little bit um, at times, but you're really going to be counting on the depth behind you, uh, obviously Mobley and Allen, and you're going to have to trust those guys to defend straight up. And um, I'm hopeful that with more depth, Mitchell will have more energy to exert on the defensive end. Uh, Darius Garland, two straight years of him being, by all metrics, a, a plus defender. Not, not a great defender, but, you know, a plus defender, I think. His issues have come down to, you know, when, when he's losing the size matchup and hopefully him adding strength is going to help with that. But I feel comfortable enough with him just given the defensive infrastructure defending uh, primary ball handlers and did that quite a bit last season as well because uh, Okoro didn't start all season. Um, but I am interested to see how that goes. But in terms of the closing lineup, I really think it's going to be matchup dependent. I, I think the three you can count on at all times is going to be Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, I would say Allen, in, in most instances, Uh that lineup has been so damn good. Those four are so good together. And I, I expect uh with a year of internal growth that they would continue. And then it's going to come down to, okay, what do we need? How how much growth has Okoro shown, right? Like it, it's hard to say. People forget, like he is the same age as Evan Mobley.
5: Mm.
4: Like that really gets overlooked when you talk about, okay, what is... The growth curve, how much room is there for him to grow offensively? What, what can you get out of that? I do worry. Just because I think he's more of a 2-3 than a 3-2, I worry that there's just not going to be the opportunity available, given the number of ball handlers they have with LeVert, with Ty Jerome, with, with Garland and Mitchell. But I, I do think that this there is still a path to him kind of having a bit of a breakout
3: season himself as well.
1: Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.
2: When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like,
1: Chef, what course are we on? Uh, I've lost count.
3: Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because
2: the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
5: Well, I'm, I'm curious to see what the Cavs do, because they're obviously going to be on my radar. And I'm curious how you feel if Knicks fans should feel... That we're all in the same tier as far as the, yep. the middle of the the middle of the top half of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, you know? until the
4: Cavs prove themselves like that, any skepticism is well founded. OK,
5: so then Where? I I like I'm, I'm looking at if the Knicks are battling it out for the with the Cavs, with the I see. I'm so curious what the heat are going to look like this year but it's that we'll, four, we'll five, get into
4: that very shortly we i, so I want to transition four, five, soon six, until the, the eastern conference yeah
5: yeah yeah and look we i have no idea what philly is going to look like and and well like you said we'll transition to that but as far as the Cavs are concerned like I, I looked at what they did and i thought they addressed some of the needs that showed up during that Knicks series but how,
4: how much do you think it changes that series if they had Struess, yang Ty Jerome, well, even damian jones to throw in as a big because as you said In that game where where Mobley got in foul trouble, that was a major part of it. And the one part of that game I I really love was, you know, Garland's coming off that awful performance. It's still amazing to me that he had a, in that series, had a true shooting percentage of almost 59. But he's coming off an awful performance and not a great start to that game either in an incredibly hostile environment and then just takes over, right? Like Mm -hmm. he, he was kind of that one man run. And after game one, really, he was the best player on the Cavs for the remaining game. Well... Not the one he shoot shot poorly, but outside of game know, three, on, yeah, on yeah. average, yeah, you, you look he, he averaged over the last four games uh, like two more points per game than Mitchell, much more efficient, um, and and I I thought he acquitted himself well there, and I, I think that's one of those indicators that okay, this is a, a big time performer. He's someone that's able to play, but as you said, like Mobley getting in foul trouble. If they had you know even Damian Jones to go to, you know, a, a rim protecting big that that can eat some minutes maybe that changes things. Uh, how do you, how different do you feel that series goes? If the Cavs had the players, they now have available to them to to support the the core four.
5: Well, look, if you had the max juice that the Knicks played against the heat in the series against the Cavs, the, the Cavs might win in five because <laughs> that's how good juice was. It's how frustrating I got by all of these undrafted players that just showed up and decided they were going to beat the Knicks in, in, in six games. Um, my, Biggest takeaway from the Cavs series, as far as the the series that our teams played in the first round, was so much less. Like, yes, I think the Knicks won the possession battle and it helped them. I thought Mitchell didn't play up to superstar standards that I have for him, but that may my standards may be too high for him. Mm -hmm. I thought he had an an on and off series. I thought, like you said, the core four had some good, some bad in there. My biggest takeaway is that they the Cavs depth. Did like the, the concerns I had at the beginning of the series is that the Cavs might have four of the seven or four of the six best players, but the Knicks will have eight of the best 13 or 14 in the series. And I think now it's a conversation when you add playoff rotation pieces like a George Nying, like uh, a Max Struess to the mix to where the Cavs are going, not five or six deep that I'm afraid of, at least. Mm. But now it's like seven, eight, nine deep. But I could be like, all right, now you actually have the game plan for George Niang, especially if he's gonna shoot what he did from three last yeah. season. So that's that that's my biggest takeaway is that I thought the Cavs added depth on a team that consolidated to get Donovan Mitchell and then spent a the year succeeding yeah. in the regular season. But then come postseason, you realize oh, you need like seven, eight guys in order to win a playoff series. And yeah. You know, and if,
4: you guys are probably going to go through that too, right? Like you guys are probably going to go through a consolidation trade. Uh, I know Low and Begley were talking about, you know, uh, we, which was obviously interesting for the Cavs. Hearing, mm-hmm. oh, you know, um, they've kind of moved on. They're targeting wings and bigs with those consolidation trades because obviously, you know, there's always going to be those Mitchell rumors. Eh, I think those will just so, continue.
5: Can we just go stop ahead. there? How do you feel? Because I like the, the the only time I saw it come up where I saw Cavs and I I, I recognize Cavs Twitter is not. All yeah. Cavs fans, I do recognize that. But it's the only time I actually it crept into my life was when the the Mets played the the Guardians this season, had a big comeback win, and Mitchell was like LGM, like we did it. And Cavs Twitter was like, like I'm a I'm a Guardians fan too, and our best player is celebrating a New York win over Cleveland. Like,
4: and, and my dad works for the Mets.
5: <laughs> oh right, so like yeah. that connection's still gonna be there, and that's the first time I saw Cavs fans being like. All right, I've had enough. Like, you yeah. might as well. And, it, and look, it's been a major I, topic. It's so been a major topic. It, it doesn't where are matter. You on it? Yeah.
4: Yeah. It, it, it's been a major topic. And, like, for me, what, what I've said is no matter how bought in the players on your roster are, you're always selling. Like, the modern NBA, it's all about a partnership between the organization and the players to show, hey, this is where our goals are aligned. We believe that, that we can provide you with you know, your best opportunity for winning or, or whatever your goals are, we can help you achieve that. Um, mm. and, and Kobe's talked about that too, right? Which is, hey, we're hopeful that next summer we'll be able to get a deal done, um, but we have to prove ourselves to Mitchell. And honestly, Mitchell has to, you know, prove himself to the organization too, right? It's a two-way street. Um, and like, to, to me, it makes sense. Like, you're, Cavs are going to have to show that this is going to be their best chance to, to go out and win. And if for whatever reason, they come up short again next off season, there's going to have to be an evaluation on both sides, both, hey, do we want to commit an extension um, if you know the postseason outcome is similar? And for Mitchell, it's, okay, what are my options available? Do I want to play this out a little bit longer? But I don't worry about it because to me, Donovan Mitchell has always been very bought in. He's always been committed to the community. Mm. Um, he, he's said all the right things. I've never questioned his effort on the court. Um, and, and even in, in today's interview, uh, Chris Fedor did with uh, JB Bickerstaff, that was one of the things they asked about, right? Like this isn't a question that the, the organization has really hid from either. And, uh, JB's I'll, I'll pull up the quote right now, uh, as I stall for time here. Um, but he, he said, I went to visit with him in Connecticut. We worked out together for a few days, talked about how things were going and what we're going to implement in this upcoming season he was with us in Las Vegas and stayed longer than most. He worked out with the guys and went to dinners. The things we asked him to work on over the summer, we watched him do those things and I've seen improvement in those areas. I continue to watch how he brings teammates in and builds relationships with them. Uh, There were conversations we had during free agency about trying to get uh, people we needed here. Those conversations he had with guys, we were able to bring in. So he was part of the recruiting process. Uh, Talked about how Mitchell is always there. He's always bought in, he's always engaged. And that's what I expect. So I, I think if the Cavs do their part and this team is as good as I think they can be, it's going to be a no-brainer, right? And, and if they're not, it's going to be an evaluation that both sides need to make. So I, I'm, especially after you know going through, I, I think there's LeBron PTSD. I, I think mm. we need. I think we need uh, as Cavs fans we actually, and I'm talking to myself too here. We need to develop a little bit of tougher skin because this team's probably. If it's as good as I think it's going to be, given the the age of this team, it's going to be in the contending mix for a while. And when you're in that mix, any sign of slippage, you're going to have the national conversation going to be, how are, uh, is this guy going to stay here? Is Darius Garland going to stay here? Is Evan Mobley? Is uh, Donovan Mitchell? That happens to every single team. It's happening with Joel Embiid, and Mm -hmm. he's in kind of, you know, a a good market in in Philadelphia, right? Uh, It it happens to Giannis, even though he won a championship, and and they're both connected to your team in in trade rumors, right? It happens to every single major market, every single star. It's just the way today's NBA works. And as long as I'm seeing buy-in from the guys on the court, it's going to come down to whether or not the organization does its part. And if the organization doesn't do its part or we're not as far along the development curve as we thought, and we have to pivot, then, you know, you're going to make adjustments at that time. So I, I don't stress about it. And like I said, the most important thing to me is that Donovan Mitchell has been bought in and I, I, I couldn't be happier w- with kind of how he's approached things on and off court.
5: Well, good. Cause I, look, I just personally wonder sometimes how much is how much of any of the the conversation that happens on Twitter actually reflects what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And I, I have no idea, man. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. I, also I, like we we experienced it with Julius Randle that he had a right. poor series against the Heat and honestly a poor series against the Cavs. And all of Knicks fans on the night that they were eliminated were like, all right, got it, gotta fire Tibbs, gotta trade Julius. And I think the Knicks behind the scenes doubled down on their commitment to Julius by trading his backup, their commitment to Tibbs by signing another Villanova guy that's a CAA client that... And and again, I I think it's natural for fans... (laughs) I think they actually care what we think, you
4: know? I, I think it's natural for fans, too, where if they think someone's not there for long term or might be on the way out, all of a sudden, how they start talking about that player, how they start viewing that player, how they view their actions... It changes, right? Like, if you think it's almost like you know, you're you're in a relationship, you you, and you don't have the security, so you blow it up early, kind of thing. Like, Mm, that's I I I really think that it's unfair that people do that with Mitchell because I I think when you actually look at the actions and you remove yourself from the online discourse, I I I don't see where you would have any gripes.
5: Well, so. Let's remove the online discourse. Your response that you just gave, I think, is a better response to the Bontemps, McMahon, Windhorse pods that have gone around where they've but, but like, even Bontemps, blatantly he, said like he Bontemps said they I he thought, should, they should I think, trade him now, you know. Yeah, yeah, well
4: Bontemps the the what he said at the start of that was I think the Cavs are going to be another first round out. And if that happens, I don't see Mitchell signing an extension. And if he doesn't sign an extension, Cavs don't want to be sitting there with an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, if the Cavs massively underachieve, that's going to re—that's uh, going to cause everybody to reevaluate, yeah. right? Like, if that's the way you're approaching it, that's that's one thing. But I, I think you you look at what went wrong in Utah versus the Cavs, which the Cavs have been so aggressive in bringing in that support, the the, the guys that can make a difference. Like you said, guys that you feel add relevant depth to this team and address the issues. That's one of the biggest things, and you're going to have upward mobility with the internal growth, because Evan Mobley's 22, Darius Garland's 23, and Jared Allen just turned 25, Isaac Okoro's 22, Max Strus is young. All right, like, these guys are all going to get better, and, and that factors into those that future projecting. So I don't think anyone said anything outlandish, but, you know, if people are going to be skeptical of the Cavs and don't think that they're going to perform well in the postseason— that comes with the territory because this is a team that's earned expectations that came up short and we'll see how they, they approach next summer.
5: Yeah, I agree. And I'm curious if you want to transition into the rest of the East because them coming up short, if, if they have expectations, contending expectations, like you said, if they play a competitive first round, but lose to a team that's clearly better than them, but it's just because the East, the the middle is so flat. Yeah. Like the Knicks series, I think was, more eye-opening. It's like, oh my gosh, you lost in five to the team that didn't trade for Donovan Mitchell. If you lose a hard-fought series... To Joel Embiid or to the Heat, who had the same record as you, yeah. you know that I think is more acceptable. Yeah, in but like 4-5 like matchup like right, like even if it's a three six, like that one weird season where three through six had the same record it was separated by a couple games. Yeah, but maybe. like if you lose a close series in that sense, I think it's easier to stomach. But like you said, H- how you lose still, matters so much. Right, uh-huh. it's still a step back if you don't advance to the second round again after doing doing all these things. So I, mean, I, I, listen, I would consider
4: I. Mean, I I'd be more receptive to that argument last year. I think they have to now. They the have to round. get. They have to make I, the second round. I, I think round. this okay. team is good enough. I think they underachieved in the postseason. I think that the talent is at a level where the expectation should be um, that they advance the second round. I think the support's good enough. I think the support is almost as good as the support we get from Zoom. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects.
3: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
1: Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living assisted living and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events chef prepared meals safety and security transportation resort style amenities and high quality care everything you need is here discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com equal housing opportunity
2: an epic matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with american express you breeze through the card member entrance Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpresscom with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms
4: apply. Let's let's but before we get out of here, let's let's talk about the rest of the Eastern Conference because I, I we we've already done a Bucks preview. And I'm going to continue this tradition of asking our guests to rank their top six in the Eastern Conference. How do they think they'll finish in the regular season? Where, where do you see the East shaking out?
5: Boston one. Okay. Milwaukee. This is as currently constructed. Right? Yeah, as currently. So I'm not, I'm not factoring in a Dame, Dame trade. Let's, or, no, let's, oh, assume Dame. let's assume Dame. Let's assume Dame. Yeah, okay. for,
4: for for fun. For, for, for fun of this exercise, just because the NBA is predictable in that way.
5: Miami two um in the regular season okay oh yeah i think that team that all those pieces fit so perfectly together and knowing miami they'll find somebody that was bagging groceries to be like hey you want to you want to be the backup point guard and he ends up shooting 40 percent from three um okay
4: you you got heat reverence and you know what that's uh they i I have
5: i have heat ptsd is what i have right now okay (laughs) that's fair okay um i don't so i will say this i think the celtics are the best team in the east I really? think you, okay. even with Dame, the the fact that they can go to port like a Porzingis lineup now is yeah. I think they got worse. You think they got worse with that? I think really they
4: got worse? I think Smart was if their shooting
5: own... one through eight. You think you don't you don't think the, the shooting? I for, think for their the regular season, need,
4: I think their biggest need was playmaking, and they got rid of their organizer on the court and Marcus Smart. And uh, mm. like I don't think he was sufficient, and they took a step back in that category. I think Porzingis had a lot of fun kind of being a lead option on a bad team, but has struggled in a complimentary role. Um, I, I think he struggled in Dallas and I'm curious to see how that looks as a third. Um, and I think losing Grant Williams hurts. Like I, I don't think Porzingis is going to be healthy throughout the regular season. And you know, the the step back that they took in playmaking, I I think they got worse. I think on on average, they got worse.
5: So I I put a lot of stock in their shooting. Um, okay. I think, uh, basically up uh, cause Horford's still there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like they, the fact that they can on nights that, cause who knows what you're getting out of Robert Williams and now you're going to go to what Porzingis can give you. Um, yeah, I just, I put a lot of stock in the fact that they can go one through six with like sharp shooting and the way that their offense ran last season, while you're right, there wasn't a ton of playmaking. And while smart had a lot to do with a lot of the ball movement that you saw, it still led to like 24 threes in a game often last season. That's how the the game that the Knicks beat them last year was in that way. Um I hear you on the health concerns. Like if Porzingis is going to be a 55 game player, maybe this yeah. is the three seed again. I think talent wise, I just put a lot of stock in their shooting. Okay. Um so then so I think Boston, a, Miami, Boston Miami, Miami, Boston, Miami, Miami, but Boston, Miami, Milwaukee would be my okay. top three. Oh, okay. I think out of respect, you have to put the MVP there. You have to put Phil again. I have no idea. Are we we're, we're assuming Harden goes back for one season?
1: Uh, or are we
5: for fun putting him in? I, I
4: think you have to look at the context of that situation, which is what happened last time James Harden or the last couple times he's requested a trade and how he's performed if he did
5: stay. So then. All right, I'll put I'll put Cleveland for the Knicks five Philly six.
4: Okay. So I agree with that. you're four, five, six. Okay. I I
5: actually I would put
4: Miami below them though. Like put I put Miami
5: I, below all three of them.
4: I, I think even I with Dame. Even even with Dame. Um okay. because I, I think no. they lost a lot of shooting around them. I think that is a much better playoff team than they are a regular season team. Um, And Dame, Bam, Jimmy, all those guys miss time. I don't think that's going to change with age. Um, And and I think there's going to be a gelling process as well, just because uh, both Jimmy and Dame haven't really spent much time playing off-ball, especially Dame. Um, And and I think there's going to be a feeling-out process there, and that's going to be a team that's going to take the postseason more seriously than the regular season, so I actually think Knicks getting better. I would put them above Miami with or without Dame um, in the okay. regular season.
5: I I love it because that means the Knicks are hosting. Oh wow, yeah. the Knicks are hosting Philly yeah. in the first round. Okay. Maybe,
4: maybe, or or you're oh, hosting in the Miami. Scenario, in the maybe, scenario. maybe so, you're hosting Miami. Philly might have slide to six. Who knows?
5: So your one two is Pro- is Milwaukee Boston. <laughs>
4: yeah, I I am um, Milwaukee Boston. I think I have Cleveland third and Knicks fourth. It would be my top four. Carter has has all the way up to two, so that that's exciting for me. Over oh, I, Boston, I I can see it in the regular season. Okay. I I think because the thing to keep in mind is last year the teams with like the most injured games, like Miami was up there, Cleveland was really high up there, and I think adding depth, adding the shooting, um, projecting internal growth. Like they can go from fifty one to fifty six pretty easily. Like I, I think this could be a, a regular season team that kicks ass, and then we're going to have to see how that translates to the playoffs.
5: Especially if from like the sixth worst worst team up is all thirty five win teams. You know, like if you have the same amount of parity, then yeah. the Cavs winning three or four more games is not a crazy jump. The Knicks winning three to get to fifty is not a crazy jump, especially no. since they punted the last two during the regular season. So I'm not yeah. look the Knicks. I don't think what this sample size that I keep going to from the time of the Josh Hart trade when they went 19 and seven and then won five playoff games, uh, six playoff games is like a full sample size, but that's a 56 win pace is yeah. what they went on. I don't think that they're going to win 56 games this year. I do think a, a, a jump to the four seed in a 51 season is reasonable. And then, it's funny you say how, that. How
4: does your regular season rankings differentiate from where you believe? Like, if you were to do a postseason power rankings of those Ooh. teams, your um, confidence in them to and win a series. Is the,
5: this is the top six of the top East. Yeah, top six of the East. I don't think so. Based on my top six, I would have Boston advancing against whoever. Miami advancing against whomever. So the three six in my world is Cleveland and oh, Cleveland no, and the Sixers. Milwaukee. It's Milwaukee. You're right. So wow, yeah. I have Cavs Knicks again. Um, so it'd be yeah. Milwaukee against Philly. That's actually a fun series. I would have Milwaukee advancing. Man, I have to I have to be true to myself and say I would pick the Knicks in that series. I think it okay. would go deeper than in that series, but I think it would have to be I'd have to go with the team that I, that won yeah, that won the last
4: year, the last yeah, like time that. they
5: played, and I'd have to go with like Donovan Mitchell against Jalen Brunson. It's 2-0 in the last two times they played each other. So now that might not matter. Like Mitchell wins once and we forget about those other two times. But yeah. I would have to go just. Oh, also I'm the Knicks guy. I have to say that you know yeah, you, you do. Yeah, I I. Yeah. I- I'm not allowed back in New that. York if I if I don't say that, you know. A- and
4: also, like my lot in life right now is if anyone is to doubt the Cavs in the playoffs, <laughs> I just nod my head quietly and be like, you uh-huh. know what? That comes with the territory. That comes right, with expectations right. and coming up short. It is what it is. I've got, I've got the little smirk. I've got the quiet confidence. I, I think, I think it, everyone talks about a Mobley leap. I think we got a Garland leap uh, coming next year. Okay, I'm, I'm even better.
5: Look, I I've. We we talked for like 90, 90 minutes now. You you yeah. see, I do project the Cavs being better. I don't think Nixon yeah. five is a thing anymore. Like, if the Nixon and the Cavs were to meet, I would pick that. I think it, I, seven, th- I think you know? I
4: think we have the foundation of a genuinely great rivalry here. I do too. I I think, I I think that these are teams that I think are going to be around for a while. I think Philly's probably going to age out of it. I think Milwaukee's probably going to age out. I think these are two teams that are probably going to have staying power in the Eastern Conference.
5: So then I have to ask the we're, we're putting Dame in Philly and we're putting oh, Miami, fi- we're putting Dame. Well, so here's my hot take. I think Dame ends up in Philly, but that's, Whoa! Just, that's just my two cents. I just, <clears throat> there you go. With the reggae horns out there. I just, okay. I haven't seen a trade that I, I think he'll look up and see J- uh Joel Embiid under contract and be like, all right, so I, I did move to another team and I'm under contract and the league will just be like that memo that got sent out. I thought that was a warning. Like we're we're not having this, like we're not having you just dictate when you have four more, you you got your extension. Yeah. We're not having you dictate after an extension where you get to play. Um, Heat fans got to
4: be better. He yeah. he he. Media, he'd fans, he fans. You got to be a little bit better. Like the the yeah. false equivalencies are driving me nuts. Like I, I saw even like the the Siakam thing where he he's not willing to sign an extension with any other team. They're like, how is this different than Dame? I'm like, well, one, he's not saying he's not going to play for a team if he's traded. Mm-hmm. He's saying he intends to test free agency at the end of his deal. No no matter where the outcome is. So the incoming team kind of knows the risk there, and you know you're you're going to weigh out that situation and you know people can say it's a bluff as well just because toronto has the ability to pay more he pay him more and I, I think if i was a team that felt good about my future and had the assets to go get siakam that's a gamble i would take uh i would absolutely take that but that's very different than reportedly mm-hmm. not being willing to play for any other team but one that's yeah. a totally different thing. Heat fans, you know this. You know this. You know it's different than what you're saying. You are better than this. You are smarter than this. Don't be silly.
5: However, in not in Dame's defense, but to explain the behavior like this is what you have to do in his situation. Like if you want to be in Miami, you have to that's, make that, such a mess. I'm glad you, you said know? that
4: because that's the part that drives me nuts because mm-hmm. that has been what Miami fans I listen to Labrador's show a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that has been the thing throughout history. We don't have the assets. A star is going to have to make a mess to get themselves to Miami. That's what they're getting right now. And then when people say their assets are great, all of a sudden it's, oh, my God, this anti-miami bias like mm-hmm. i i can't i can't get my head around this how, how is this even occurring uh you know this never happens before it's totally different and you guys know it you're, you're better than that be better
5: well so as I'm, I'm, us, I'm lebron
4: picking up my briefcase and, and telling them to be better right now i'm well, leaving the room
5: i was about to say there's also i'm sure some some leftover feelings cleveland miami there from from 2010 honestly that- no
1: Honestly, no? no. Okay, good. Honestly, good. no.
4: I actually like Miami. I like the the Heat beat guys. I was happy oh. when LeBron won the championship in Miami. I, I I didn't think I would be, but I I felt joy. I, I was happy that he got that one. There's none of that. Okay. It, well, good. good. I, I I just find it funny that Miami fans look at how the looked at the LeBron hate and thought it was about them, and they've carried that forward post LeBron yeah they really thought the backlash to the decision was about Miami and it's not guys like no everyone loves Miami Stephen A will lose his mind if an NBA finals is anywhere but Miami like come, mm-hmm. come on what, what are we doing here
5: and just a quick shout out. You said shout out to the Miami Heat beat. I want to just make it known the Miami Heat beat is they're different than the Levitar show because Very they actually, different. Yeah, they actually watch different. the heat. Yeah, they actually watch games. So yeah. they actually have an informed opinion. Shout out yeah. to Dan uh, just in general. Shout out to Dan and the, and the whole crew down there. Um, yeah. Regardless, um, where I was going with this was like we're, we're projecting teams getting superstars potentially. Yep. And we did mention the Knicks are looking to make a consolidation trade. The conversation you brought up about quickly, because it's not a buyer's market right now, I have no idea who, but I think the Knicks are saving the Emmanuel quickly chip to potentially put him in an OG Ananobi trade or Mm -hmm. a Paul George trade. Notice I mentioned two CAA clients or you're saving him for another one that just won the MVP last season, which I think is... Getting closer to a pipe dream, but I recognize that every big name or big uh, national guy keeps bringing up, like, well, the MDMB to the Knicks thing is always going to be there if Philly doesn't get its stuff together. Yeah. So, like, if you were to project what the consolidation trade the Knicks go through might be, who would it be? Oh, God, I have no idea.
4: Um, okay. Like, I think the Toronto guys are interesting just because I think Toronto has to rebuild. Um, they're probably regretting trading. Haven't waves. they
5: had to do that for a while?
4: yeah but i i think now it, it's kind of really come to that point right like because okay. they, they could have got a bigger return for Lowry at the deadline they didn't um i, I know michael scotto who, who does terrific work and you know li- live yeah, yeah. Uh, great dude uh he had reported that they turned out maxi because they wanted thiebel um that's probably something they regret Uh, mm. fred van vliet just left for nothing uh, you you hear how the veterans haven't really connected with Scotty Barnes and, and, and have had issues with his work ethic and stuff like that. I don't think they can straddle the two timelines. Like, they, they were already a lotto team as is, and they just lost Fred VanVleet. And I, I like the Grady Dick pick, but I, I think those—O.G. and Siakam, I think, are, are definitely two names to, to keep an eye on. But we'll, we'll see. I, I I don't like doing transaction talk. it's probably are no, good. Yeah, it's it's probably part of why like our, our podcast was a nice fit uh, for the cast podcast family because we like to talk about what's on the court and whatnot. But I think it this even this conversation is illustrative of every single team. Their stars are getting targeted by other fan bases. Right, that poaching is always going to be there. The national discourse. That's what moves the needle. That's the the that's what gets engagement. It's going to happen. Cavs have operated with kind of a, a quiet confidence for a while here, and we'll see. I I, I really like the moves that they've done this offseason. I really like what this core can be, and I think Donovan Mitchell's a great fit in it, and we'll see. It, but the most important thing is, is that buy-in aspect, like I said earlier, and, and I think that's definitely there.
5: Well, good. As far as Toronto's concerned, I uh, the only transaction thought I have on them is that they could have been Utah if they wanted to be. Yep. And decided to sell sooner but instead the assets aren't going to be as great when you know they decide to finally sell off because these guys are closer and closer to free agency rather than what the Cavs ended up giving them for mitchell and obviously what they got for rudy gobert yeah um we'll so yeah, have to I, focus on
4: development again right exactly. like and that was something they used to do really well prior to nick nurse and, and i think post nick nurse they're they're going to have a, a shot to reestablish that kind of identity
5: so i do hope this is a rivalry by the way that nicks cavs becomes a oh, thing great. that we're that we're doing this again sometime in in april and like the four of us sitting down and projecting a series and i hope yeah. i hope carter is is loud wrong too again when when they have that type of type of playoff matchup uh, i always root for carter to be wrong except
4: for our analysis, <laughs> except instances. in
5: that spot yeah <laughs> so so we'll see
4: oh my hope for this my, my hope is this that the next time we get a cavs next series. It's at least in the second round. Let's mm. let's let's go toe-to-toe in the second round. Conference finals berth on the line. That'd be a mm. lot of fun just like it's been a lot of fun having you here on the podcast mm. andrew thank you so much plug away let let the people know where they can find you what you guys got going on uh i saw nicks film school did an under 25 draft we didn't even get into my outrage over where garland and mobley were picked but that's that's <laughs> fine it is what it is uh let the people know uh what you got going on
5: so the uh nicks film school podcast and like podcast network that we've got going on can be found anywhere podcasts are available we also have a youtube channel at nick's film school you can search for us there um we are in evergreen season until something happens which potentially is a josh hart extension that's going to happen soon which we're all in favor for but that will be the only non-evergreen thing that we do uh justin just mentioned the under 25 draft that we did now we're doing in 30 and over draft this upcoming week so the geezer draft i love it as you can say see we're just picking on a, a topic and then drafting around it we've got a bunch of those lined up over the next couple weeks as well as some fun interviews uh howard beck coming on the pod in a couple weeks so that should be a fun thing right um but yeah we we've got a lot of a lot of evergreen offseason stuff that as you as you heard it's gonna involve not just the Knicks, uh, we'll talk about the NBA at large and and do some fun concept shows around it. Uh, so you can check all this out over there. And then, of course, during the season, when there's a pregame pod that I host, I'll be reaching out to the gentleman across from me uh, to link up again. And we'll actually have some basketball to talk about. Oh, Justin. It's going to be great. Yes.
4: It can't we? We're just under two months from uh, training camp and uh, media day and all that good stuff, although you guys don't do media day but uh, yeah, yeah. What,
5: what's that <laughs> what's that media day
4: <laughs> oh i can't wait for basketball to be back and we'll continue doing our evergreen content interviewing the people uh with relevant teams in the eastern conference we're going off my bias with the guest booking of who i think is going to be at the top of these who who knows maybe maybe there's a, a surprise team mm-hmm. um maybe you know orlando or someone plucky and sneaky gets in there uh love palo bank a lot of fun uh Big thanks again, Andrew, for coming on. Big thanks to all our listeners. Sorry that we weren't able to go live. Uh, Carter will be back next week, I believe. I should probably double check that. Uh, if you're listening via podcasting with support, us, leave us a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be a part of Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, send a screenshot of a review to chasedownpod at gmail.com, however, you choose to support us. We really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Until next time, yo, Caps.